it is time to tune up the band and let me in. Because it's time for another Sweet Chinwag podcast. My name is Sam, and I am joined as ever by Reardon and Dan. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are we doing? We're good. Um, That was, um, I think you enjoyed saying let me in just a little bit too much there, Sam. I was practicing that for several hours before we recorded. (laughs) There's nothing about that sentence that surprises me. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. It's only right. (laughs) I mean, look, because of the subject matter of this week's episode, I felt like I had to really bring my game up. Uh, to, 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 to perfect the intro. So I'm glad you noticed. <laughs> mm. Yeah, we um... noticed your work. <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. Stop it. You're making me blush. Anyway, we give you this podcast lovingly free of charge. Thanks to those lovely people over at your favorite podcast provider, SoundCloud, Spotify, and now Google Podcasts. Pending everywhere else. <laughs> Mama made it. We just, we just, we just, we don't miss. We're just, we're just accumulating <laughs> he all don't of them. miss. <laughs> or in the words of Ilya Dragunov, yeah, we'll I get there. don't miss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, before we get on to this episode, which I'm really, really excited about, all about our, uh, our favourite cult leader, it is time to mosey on to visit Dan for this week's Wrestling News. Dun, 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 dun. Wrestling news. Oh, just the timings, man. We've got this yeah. down pat now. It's brilliant. <laughs> we've we've been doing this for long enough that if we didn't do it, it's like it's like hey, you know. This is our this is our tag team chemistry. Exactly. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> Calamari catch Kent. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there you go. There we go. We get Chris Brooks to design that shirt and we sell it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is it like an octopus in the shape of Ken or something? Pretty I much. Don't know. Pretty. See, I had, see, I had, a, I had a different name for for all of us. I had a different name for for the the stable of the Sweet Chinwag podcast. Go on. We are. Does we are the free headed monster, the undying Swanley Sentai. <sighs> <laughs> and that is the headline we are going to start off with dad <laughs> hell yeah i mean there's basically only really one big news story that we need to follow up on and lovingly it was literally uh happened last night <laughs> yeah because <laughs> so fortunately i've been able to well i was able to stay up until 1 a.m from a combination of a complete and abject um hyperactivity but also because I don't feel like sleeping recently, uh, to follow up on this news story. So obviously what's happened is we now know that Zelina Vega has been released, uh, and presumably in the knowledge that she was going to be released, then put out a tweet talking about her support for unionization, which I will admit makes the optics very bad for WWE. (laughs) (laughs) And boy, did it ever, because that uh, opened a can quite the reaction online and i think the, the the important thing for this is we know that zelina v can basically go anywhere yes yeah yes um we know how good she is she mm. is phenomenal uh promo work person i think 
um, very underrated to a, I think, a casual audience in terms of her wrestling acumen because she's really good at well, wrestling. Well, yeah, because well. Her, her wrestling ability wasn't really the focus of her WWE run. If yeah. you want to see her in the ring, go back to TNA, watch her time as Rosita when she was teaming with Sarita in the, at times, questionable knockouts tag division. But <laughs> go back and watch it. It's there and it's evident that she actually had good ring ability. We know she's a great talker. And go back to our episode on TNA. Shameless plug. <laughs> do it. We never mentioned the knockouts tag titles, but go back and do it anyway. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, a lot of people were saying, "Oh, was she fired because of the tweet?" But I think the timing for that is a little bit too convenient. Yeah. Indeed. So I definitely see it much more as a case of her knowing and making it basically using this point to make it abundantly clear what her stance is and to make the optics as bad for WWE as possible, which mm -hmm. I applaud. Yes. Yep. <laughs> if anything, um, I think Andrew Yang's going to have a field day with this and I can't say that I blame him. <laughs> no, I think he should absolutely take it and run as fast as he can. Mm. <laughs> um, from what I've heard as well, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but uh, a lot of speculation surrounding all of this has to do with um, Zelina Vega's stance on, on Twitch streams. Um, well, and yes. Her still kind of going forward with her own stream, despite, you know, um, WWE's stance on that. <laughs> yeah. So as much as I can understand it, and a lot of this was taken from uh, Fightful's uh, discussion on their reporting of it, but um it seems to be the case that Zelina Vega was very outspoken about, you know, keeping her endeavors outside of the the WWE bubble going. Um, she was continuing street. She was intended to continue streaming. Um, just recently, in the time um, after this kind of time where people have been told to close their account, she had actually opened up an OnlyFans account as well. So mm. we have to assume that a lot of that was kind of running concurrently and yeah. again made it very clear what her stance was on maintaining those endeavors outside of the bubble of actual WWE wrestling. Um, Apparently, so, I mean, I've also we, heard we, a lot of stuff surrounding Alistair Black as well, um, which um, would be very interesting yeah. to see if that is indeed a factor in all this. Well, yeah, so as as we also understand in this time, Alistair Black did make a request to go back down to NXT. Mm. Uh, that request was rejected. Yeah. Uh, so we don't know where that necessarily leaves him in this, but mm. clearly he's not happy about it. Yeah, mm. I can imagine. Uh, and I mean, rightfully so. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, again, following on from this... Uh, <clears throat> To get a bit better of a sense of the details of it, we understand that main roster have been asked to take down all third-party endeavors, uh, which includes Twitch, Cameo, OnlyFans. Uh, I don't know if it extends out to other ventures, maybe perhaps like podcasting or something like a Patreon. Mm, hasn't really been mentioned but i assume it comes under that same bracket yeah i've been seeing mm. a lot and i don't know if anyone else has but everyone's like individual podcasts are now under the wwe network umbrella because i used to yeah. be quite a listener to um 
uh, Swerve's uh, podcast, the Swerve City podcast. And yeah, now that's that has hosted. now largely by the official WWE YouTube channel. Yeah, um, it just, I think <clears throat> this this whole thing is really going to um, blow up very quick, very soon. And to yeah. quote Ross Twedell from Coltolic in this morning's news, this does feel like this is the brink of something. And Zelina Vega, yeah. this might this moment <clears throat> might be the start of something that might change wrestling forever. Mm. Yeah, this definitely feels like it. Um, I mean, obviously, one of the big players in this has been Paige. Yes. Because for, in, I mean, for her and the context, she can't wrestle. Yeah. She just makes appearances when they ask her to. She yeah. just is at home seven days a week most of the time. She can't, you know... But again, in the same vein, we she could go anywhere. She could probably just go there and be like Ring of Honor or something and mm. just be like their nominal head of the women's division. Yeah. Mm. Or whatever, right? Yeah. She could go to AEW and be like a creative advisor or something. Mm. Her legacy like, is pretty much set in stone now was probably like, like one of the most important fe- female wrestlers of all time. Yeah, so like, her stock is high. <laughs> like the thing, the thing is there... But for someone like her, the importance of something like the streaming is hard to understate mm. or you know, understate or overstate really. Yeah. Because for her it clearly has a much different meaning than compared to, you know, I'm just saying in comparison to someone like AJ Styles. Yeah. Who takes his streaming very seriously and mm-hmm. is fantastic. But mm. for him, he knows that he's got bargaining power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He knows that he could just say, okay, cool. I'll go off to, I'll go back off to new Japan. Yeah. And I'll wrestle yeah. for, I'll wrestle for three years and have it nice and comfortable. Mm. Rather than bringing all my eyes to, you know, WWE. Mm. It's just like, but it's this. For, this but whole... like for, like I said, for Paige, she yeah. doesn't have that bargaining ability. Yeah. They could just say, cool, we'll just cut ties. Yeah. And that I, would be that. I've always just seen this whole Twitch thing as so utterly, like this blowing up to be so utterly inevitable. It is amazing. It's almost amazing in the audacity that they thought they'd be able to get away with it forever. Mm. Like, <laughs> I, like, I've said this before on this podcast, but I want to reiterate... Either they're independent contractors or they're not, and you can't ha- you can't okay. have you can't have one. Well, you can't have the best of both worlds in a sense. No, you yeah. can't have it both ways. Because I, I I I'm I know we try and stay away from this spiel, but I <laughs> I do feel it's important to have to say it right. Hmm. Prefacing, this is my opinion, and this <laughs> is not being stated as fact. <laughs> The opinions of Dan here are not of the Sweet yeah. Chin Wag Podcast. <laughs> They're not of the Sweet Chin Wag Podcast, but I feel like they pretty generally reflect what we think. But these are my opinions, mine alone, and I'm not presenting this as fact. Mm. This is a decision by a person who has clearly not paid attention to the evolution of general media production. This is a decision by a person who, if they were signing, you know, deals to appear in TV shows would make sense but when you're generating your own content for your own community 
coming in and taking that away from people just does not fly. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It, it screams. It screams like this is the thoughts, and again, this is my opinion, of a man who's not really gotten himself out of the golden age of the nineteen eighties and still thinks the Arsenio Hall show is still going. <laughs> God, good shout out to the Arsenio Hall show. Man. <laughs> I, I got a obscure eighties reference there. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's the thing, though. That's what it. That's what it feels like. That's yeah. what it feels like the spirit behind this is. It, it just isn't a mindset compatible for how things work now. It's mm. it's it's strange. And man, there's... We can only speculate where this is going to go. Like, are we going to see... Um... Well, I think, see... I, think the, I think the thing is, is it's going to take... It's going to have to take that first person to make the step. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel is if is you know is is this going to be the catalyst for Andrew Yang to now finally push for Joe Biden to have an investigation open towards them? Because um, you know I thought that was going to happen with John Oliver. It didn't happen. There was very little that happened there. I feel mm. that the, the yeah. momentum is now here. Is Jesse Ventura going to come back and really make his voice heard as well? Because um, after hope, his first attempt. So. I really hope he does. Like I seriously, mm. I would love to see Jesse Ventura because, back. Because in the same in the same vein, though, from from what people have been saying, there are still those people in WWE who are trying to pick out people who are asking for unionization and trying to report them. Yeah, this. Yeah. That old... And so what I'm saying is, right? That was a thing that Hogan did in the '80s <laughs> to Ventura, right? Yeah. And that's yeah, still that's happening. True. And if that's still happening now, I think that's ridiculous. It there are. I, I, it does sound like there are a lot of a lot of scabs in the um, and, and in just the in, in you know in in the same vein of a lot of the speaking out stuff in British wrestling, it's about challenging the norm. Yeah, exactly. And making change for the better. Exactly. Because before it was a case of oh, it was just what it was just what happened. Oh. Trainers didn't need to have safety checks. We just assumed because they were trainers, we tr- we could trust them. It's that no. old adage, isn't it? Of the what? It's like a wild west. Yeah. Um, which really, when now when you think about it, should not be the case in the year of our Lord twenty twenty. Yeah. I mean, there was the there was the one I said, which was wrestling came from the carnival and it still acts like it's in it. Yeah. Mm. It, pretty much. <laughs> but like. Mm. But yeah, I mean, there's there's bits that are continually coming off this. Like I said, NXT is seemingly exempt from it for now. We don't know how long that will last. Mm. People backstage are not happy about it. Talent are positing it then being taken away from them as a damage to their morale and their mental well-being, which it is. Yeah, it, yeah. it definitely is. <laughs> and like I said, I think the important thing is that someone needs to set the precedent someone needs to make it clear and i think i'm incredibly happy that there are lots of different members of the uh, wwe talent who are saying you know what we're looking at unionization we're researching it yeah mm-hmm. uh, I, I i it's it's been a very even long... the response from other groups mm-hmm. like sag aftra screen actors guild yep who this... are taking who are taking an interest in this, this which is huge this is this feels like after so many years of, of 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 attempts of people finally 
you know, wrestling fans in general, we all kind of respect these guys that leave it all in the ring. And unfortunately, these guys passing away and stuff. Finally, it seems like we're getting momentum with these guys actually being able to have a retirement and being able to actually live longer than 65. I And that that's the bit that really kind of spurs me on to go, you know what? No, these guys do deserve unionization. These guys truly you know, deserve you it. Know, you, you, can, you can look at it and point out the things people go, oh, well, wrestlers are wrestling you know, way, you know, way, way into later ages than they were before. I'm mm. like, yes, but that still means that they need protections. Yeah. They yeah. come after it yeah. because years of it physically intense work is going to put, is going to have a massive impact on you because I have relatives that work in construction and do lots of physically intensive work and have been doing it for 20 or so years and they get protections. Mm. <laughs> it's not like, it's any kind of mystical concept that hasn't been set before. I guess the glow mm. got stopped yeah. because the SAG because SAG after were like, hey, this probably isn't safe for our, for performers mm. to film a TV show about wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. While wrestling was happening. <laughs> the question I kind of like it came into my head and I've seen a few people say it is it will this mean that there's gonna have to be an off season for WWE to which I say what's the problem with having an off season for these guys yeah I'm like I'm really kind of like an off season is fine I wouldn't mind if like after SummerSlam we get a month and a half off Show highlights. You have got an entire library of promotion and of history of the WWE and every single territory in America. Think, think about how many wrestlers WWE employ. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> think about how much talent they have on their books that don't get used. It's just yes. like you could just why not? Just, yeah. just after just doing... a big paper after a big pay per view after SummerSlam, right? Your top people on there, okay, maybe if they're champions, it gets a little bit difficult, right? But you can maybe give them, you know, one week on, one week off for like four weeks, right? Yeah. It's not going to kill bunch, your profits. Have, have a yeah. bunch of people that aren't being used at time and say, look, here's some new people we're going to introduce. Or just have it like a rot, or just do a simple like rotationary system because again, you have enough wrestlers that that's more than possible. Yeah. Yeah. Just ah, some things that are so simple, like but so hard to try and get. Like to it, WWE. it's not, it's not like a tremendous, it's not like a tremendous concept to try and grasp. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I mean, just quick, just quickly leading on to the end of this, though, we did get WWE's uh, third quarter report, mm-hmm. which was the interesting point being that WWE made nine point one million dollars off electronic sales alone so sales through wwe shop etc jesus christ yeah q3 last year was 9.2 million in e-commerce and live event merch combined so on last year like a hundred thousand was the difference yeah that's that's insane it's truly insane, and this is coming from the same company that just had a mass that that had a mass exodus or cut of talent in April, and they say they're struggling for money. Like, come on! <laughs> and now, obviously, obviously, going into Q4, they are going to be severely down. 
Yes. Mm. As is because probably you're going everyone. to have the cost of the Thunderdome. Cost of employees who are coming back off furlough in production and backstage. Yep. Uh, limited money from the TV contracts. Mm-hmm. No Saudi shows. Which Good. really, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that's that's my yeah. big loss. That's, that's that's the um that is definitely the silver lining to everything. <laughs> yeah. And chances are there's going to be no crowds. Possibly even for Mania. Yeah. That wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. So, <laughs> clearly we know they're going to be well down on it, on expectation. And obviously for their shareholders and investors, they have to show some kind of growth. How yeah. they're going to do that, I don't know. But if it's like some people are positing and they're trying to paint this decision to start making money out of wrestlers doing Twitch and alternative things, bin it. Yeah. Start the revolution now. <laughs> <laughs> are we, are we, are we, uh, as the sweet chin wag, condoning an uprising for the, uh, for, uh, to the WWE? Because that, that, that comes with a lot of connotations then. <laughs> not in flat yeah. wording. Not at all. I am not, absolutely not advocating for a revolution. <laughs> no, we are not, we are not, here at the Sweet Chinwag Podcast, do not advocate for a revolution. We're just simply implying it. <laughs> we, we merely, we merely imply it, which is, you know, we can imply whatever we want. That's a legal grey area. <laughs> yeah. Like, 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 so like, should there be guillotines? Who can say? Um... Jean-Michel Robespierre wants to know your location. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> God, we're so cultured on this podcast. <laughs> really, really. Yeah, we bridge that. We bridge the gap between cultured and chaotic. <laughs> we we work that middle. We work that middle tier. There you go. New T-shirt design. Cultured yeah. but chaotic. The sweet chin wag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and just just for anyone there that is listening to this, if you want to. Read up about it. Read up about unions, both in the UK, where we are, and the US, where the situation is taking place. Yeah. Be informed. Hmm. It does make for a very interesting reading when you start to realise what uh, what this company has been uh, has been doing uh, the past few decades. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and with that, Dan, we're done. <laughs> Oh blimey, that is uh yeah, because there's uh let's be honest, there was only one thing we could possibly have talked about this weekend that it was, was gonna bad. be the only thing. <laughs> Indeed. Before we get on then to Bray Wyatt, I just want to head on over to recommendation corner and mm-hmm. uh give us some good news because we have some new affiliates uh for us. <clears throat> so thank you ever so much to Gaijin Worldwide and Graps Apparel. Uh, for being affiliated with us. We super, super appreciate it. So, for all your Pura Risu and awesome wrestling apparel uh, clothing, go to Gaijin Worldwide and Graps Apparel. Be sure to use the code SWEETCHIN for 10% off of your order. That is SWEETCHIN in all caps. S-W-E-E-T-C-H-I-N. 
Nice. Oh, I could do. I could do that all the time. Like, <laughs> I should. And I should... you will, as soon as we get even more sponsors. Exactly. We did and... say we would do an infomercial. We would oh, do yeah. indeed. We would do oh, indeed. Yeah. And we can't leave our good pals, our original affiliates, and Super Kicks out as well. Those guys doing some brilliant stuff, not only for us but for every single affiliate that, uh, that they have, as well as wrestlers all across the UK. So yes, be sure to use the code if you ever go to Super Kicks Apparel. I should say, use the code CHINWAG for free international shipping with your order. That's CHINWAG for Super Kicks. Uh, but with that, it is time for our episode all about Husky Harris. No, I mean Bray Wyatt. Uh... Waylon Mercy. Waylon Mercy. <laughs> Robert De Niro. <laughs> so, oh <Magnum> my. P.I.? <laughs> Oh, God, Tom Selleck. No, uh, no, this is six degrees of separation that I didn't know I needed, but I'm suddenly, yeah, oh, I do. No. <laughs> Let us talk about, then, the life and times of one Bray Wyatt. Born in 1987 to the very famous Rotunda and Wyndham families. Of course, his father, Mike Rotunda, or better known as Erwin R. Scheister, IRS. One of the greatest gimmicks of all time. <laughs> Guaranteed he'll hate. <laughs> he calls his brother Bo Dallas. Again, he had the second best gimmick of all time, Bo Leave. Yes. And of course, the Wyndham family of Barry, Kendall, Blackjack Mulligan. And yeah, pretty m- amazing pedigree to have yourself in. Uh, in your family. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> mm. um, so yeah, let us explore the career of Bray Wyatt and a very interesting career for Bray. So to I say the least, to say the least, but a very, very interesting one. When you start to realize that his career has solely been in the WWE. Yeah. It's an interesting thing to think about. I mean, obviously this is back when, uh, they had, uh, FCW as a developmental territory. Indeed. Indeed. He started out as I believe his name would have been, um, Duke Rotundo, so keeping the Rotunda name, yeah. <laughs> but starting off at FCW in in several tag teams actually, um, before uh, before FCW of course ended up becoming NXT. But before we get to that, question I always ask for these profile things for you two is um, thoughts and your first impressions when you saw Bray Wyatt. I'll start with. I'm going to point the finger at Reardon. <laughs> okay. So my thoughts from seeing Bray Wyatt for the very first time was, yo, who the fuck is this? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> if I was a child when I... If I was a child seeing Bray Wyatt, I would have been scared out of my mind. <laughs> what the hell is going on? And, and especially considering his first his first act was to kill Kane. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> his first main roster thing was to kill Kane. Like Kane is a, was a is and was a big deal for me. So I'm like, what is? I'm just like. We're going to get into it throughout this because he's had such a roller coaster of a career in the WWE. It is insane. Yeah. And 
the, the amazing thing about it when researching it is that basically this man has been fighting tooth and nail to try and, you know, become who he is from day one. Oh, <laughs> yeah. FCW. Yeah. Right, it is ridiculous. It is ridiculous how much work he had to put in just to get to the thing of like, okay, this is actually what I wanted when I first started. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, let's start off with FCW. It's a really interesting time and really kind of gets sets, I guess, sets the journey of where he would end up today. So, yes, uh, as Duke Rotundo, he ended up teaming with his brother Bo to become the Rotundo brothers. They ended up having quite a um, quite a popular act in FCW to the point where they became FCW Florida Tag Team Champions, beating the Dude Busters of Kalen Croft and Trent Beretta. I still think the Dude Busters is that's such a developmental <laughs> tag name. Like it really is. <laughs> oh my, my goodness, God! But uh, they'd end up having uh, uh, amazing tag matches with uh, Dylan Klein and Vance Archer, or Lance Archer as he's now known. And uh, the tag team. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, he was in WWE for a cup of coffee. <laughs> Lance Archer was. Well, because Lance Archer was in ECW, wasn't he? Yeah, and then he ended up going to SmackDown and then having a tag team was, with Shad Gaspard. <laughs> yeah, he was Lance Hoyt. Yes, Lance Hoyt and TNA then ended up becoming, when he jumped to WWE, became Vance Archer. Okay, so before we <laughs> before you continue, Sam, I'm sorry. I just have to I have to get this off of my chest and let's better, better to do this at the beginning. Uh, How in the name of God is Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas related? I know, right? Oh, How yeah, does that work? This is a thing that always surprises people because, A, they you wouldn't think that they actually look that similar. Yeah. But do you but do you remember when Bo Dallas brought his Bo Leave gimmick to main roster, like around 2018? Yes. When he had the beard? Yes, yes. Mm. That was when I first made the connection. Okay, yeah, I could see, I could see why you do that. Now, I remember a backstage promo, as a matter of fact, of Bo doing the whole when he was in full Bo Leave gimmick, and then he bumped into Bray Wyatt, and then there was like an awkward stare down between the two of them, and when they re and it was like they almost were like, "Are we related?" Kind of look they both had to each other. <laughs> But no, because I, I, I will readily admit until I saw Bo Dallas with the beard, I didn't know they were related at all. It's weird because Bo looks more like his dad. Yeah. Like he mm. looks so much more like um, Mike than, than Bray does. <laughs> so it's really, really weird to know that they're both brothers. And then when you realize it's holy shit, they are brothers. Oh man, yeah, that is it's such. It's and I so also strange. just briefly aside, I'm just looking at some of the, the from his time in FCW. There was a team of Kurt Hawkins and Heath Slater. Yeah, I was just about to get to that. Something <laughs> about defeating the team of Kurt Hawkins and what? Heath Slater. They, they called them the Ginge Busters. No, they didn't really. No. Um... Kurt Hawkins and Heath Slater. What the fuck? Maybe call them the, the pale skin brawlers. I don't know. I, I'm sorry. I'm just making ginger jokes. I'm sorry. It's terrible of me. We could we at the Sweet Chinwag podcast condone and dare I say relish a good ginger joke. Gingers don't have souls. I'm just kidding. Throwback. <laughs> Prove it. Prove that we're kidding. <laughs> or not kidding. 
Uh, eventually, <laughs> well, well, I'm moving on quickly. Uh, no, eventually the Rotundo brothers would lose the titles to back to the Dude Busters, uh, and it was after that, back in 2010, in the second season of NXT when it was a reality show, that uh, that he would make his jump to the mainish roster. I, I, I guess that's what you could call NXT. It was on television. But they weren't necessarily main roster. They were like that grey area between yeah, development it, and main. It's it's weird to describe, but it was like you were development talent that was on main roster. Yeah, uh, with Cody Rhodes as his pro, believe it or not. Oh, wow. I forgot that he was with Cody Rhodes. Yeah. I thought he was with someone else. No, it was that surprised me when I was looking back at the season and watching it and go, oh, wait, he had Cody as his pro strange also this was the time where during nxt they would give these guys the opportunity to name their own characters and lo behold why he had to name him this way or why he had this idea he named himself of course husky harris the most... i mean his names go it's not the catchiest yeah it's wearing cowboy boots and black trunks harkening back to the days of his family's uh, uh, lineage of the uh, blackjacks um, he didn't do well, actually, in the no. season two of NXT. Matter of fact, fun fact, if you remember this, who won season two of NXT? I think, I think uh, Dan I, may know this. I, I, I believe I do. Reardon, do you want to guess then who, who won season two of NXT? You know what? Any guess that I give will not be as ridiculous as the actual answers. So I'm just going to keep silent and wait patiently to have this knowledge injected into me. Dan, would you like to would you like to tell people who won season if, 2? If I'm correct, I believe the winner of season 2 of NXT was Loki. Yes. Uh, and his name of Kaval. Yep. And now correct me if I'm wrong, but was he not managed by Lakel? He was managed by Lakel. Can I just say what? There's a lot to take in in that statement, but also, <laughs> a why the fuck was Loki in <laughs> NXT? Yep. <laughs> why was he called Kaval, and why was he paired up with Michelle McCool and Layla? <laughs> Maybe I'm guessing it was a rib for his years and years of saying that he never wanted to be in WWE. I assume so. You would. I would. I would naturally assume that, but. I don't know, maybe because he was a short guy and they've because he had some hype behind him because he was an established uh, uh, like legend. Yeah, like he was already established in like and he'd done like years at Ring of Honor. It was a multiple <laughs> time, as well, yeah, multiple time X Division champion. So I maybe I don't know. It's so silly. But after that uh, weird season of NXT, of course, the Nexus was still running wild on the main roster. Um, and it ended up being that Michael McGillicutty from season two and Husky Harris ended up joining the Nexus in about. They really didn't get the names great on that season. <laughs> no, they really didn't. In late you know, 2010, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like it's only when I actually hear the background of why it does that the name Husky Harris makes sense because every time, other than every time I hear it, other than that context, I'm just like. Now, someone made that up. Like, someone actually made that up. That's not what his actual name was. 
<laughs> it's it's worse when you realise that he actually came up with that name himself, isn't it? It is, isn't it? <laughs> like, we're going to, again, get to it, but Bray Wyatt has... I know nobody bats a thousand, but <laughs> nobody should have that bad a day. Let's put it that way. But still, the thing is, though, right? People, because people have been inherently forget. Michael McGill's Cutty, aka Kaj Saxel, is the son of Mr. Perfect. Exactly. This, this is all just so bizarre. And that's what he came up with. How bizarre? <laughs> How bizarre. Anyway. <laughs> Well, bringing bringing it to that song, okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I could have done the British Bulldog because I'm bizarre, but I, I, it was just too. That was too tempting to do, so I, I, I fought against it. But I've already done it, so there you go. <laughs> but uh, no, Husky Harris would end up staying for a little bit longer in the main roster. Of course, when CM Punk took over the Nexus from Wade Barrett, um, of course he had that weird kind of thing where uh, this was straight after the straight edge society and then they would he would uh, punk would put the members from initiations and if you remember Harris's yep. Harris's was receiving lashings from the entire group um, it was uh, it was a weird segment <laughs> it was a really weird segment but shortly after that what after that um Harrison McGillicutty would would end up challenging the raw tag champions that being Santino Morella and Vladimir Kozlov what oh, we should have meant did we mention those in our comedy tag teams i don't think we did i think okay. no we didn't dang dang but they were they were an amazing comedy tag team they were pretty great especially for that segment where they were in the uk with sheamus and they were doing the tea etiquette uh part in the ring yeah that was great beautiful anyway yes uh they would unsuccessfully challenge for them uh after which randy alton attacked them and pretty much did what Triple H and HBK did to the Spirit Squad and sent him back uh, to uh, to FCW for, with with a with a well placed punt to the head. May I add? <laughs> 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 he sent the pack. He sent uh, Husky Harris packing back to FCW. Um, so it would be a couple of months actually before you would see Harris return to FCW. But he would adopt a brand new gimmick, that of the hockey mask wearing Axel Mulligan. Unfortunately, the character would never actually make it properly to TV. Uh, would end up having to. He, he, you could see this was the genesis genesis of him kind of getting a little bit of creativity and trying to see what he can do. Yeah. But he would go back to TV as Husky Harris. Um, I and, think I think an important bit of context as we're talking through this entire thing is that uh, Bray is a massive fan of horror movies without this will question. be important like a gigantic fan of horror movies <laughs> um yeah this is where he ended up having a bit of a f- or embroiled in um a feud his brother was going um that he, he was his brother was entangled in for the florida heavyweight championship uh one of those rivals being damian sandow and he ended up Hell having, yeah. He ended up Hell having yeah. matches with Biggie Langston, Dean Ambrose, Leo Kruger, Richie Steamboat, a guy that kind of unfortunately his time was cut short in wrestling, which which is really unfortunate because I still maintain that Richie Steamboat could have been an absolute superstar. Um it's just unfortunate that injury, you know, injuries kind of um had him uh, retire early. Um mm. and then 
uh, he ended up having one more run with the FCW Florida Tag Titles with Eli. Oh uh, no, was it no? No, it was Bo. It was his brother. I thought it was Eli Cottonwood, but Eli Cottonwood will come back soon enough. We will talk oh, about gosh. Eli Cottonwood, but no, him and Bo <laughs> would end up defeating Brad Maddox and Eli for the vacant titles, and end up. Oh, dude, remember Brad Maddox? Brad Maddox, man. He would lose the championship to Corey Graves and Jake Carter in 2012. Uh, just ran, just about right around the end of FCW, forming into the NXT we know. So, in April, he ended up debuting a brand new character known as Bray Wyatt and would have a debut promo on the last episode of FCW with a big, burly bloke behind him. That bloke being Eli Cottonwood. Not Luke Harper, because Luke Harper wasn't in the company just yet. You mean to tell me that the first person that Bray Wyatt appeared with was in Eli Cottonwood? Yes. (laughs) Mr. Moustache himself. Yes, Mr. Moustache himself. (laughs) God damn it. What was... So they were clearly short on people. <laughs> Be nice. <laughs> uh, he, Wyatt would end up debuting the character on the July 11th episode of the uh, of NXT. Of course, taped at Full Sail University, where it's always been. Uh, he Ooh. defeated Aiden English uh, in his first match, but unfortunately, in or bad luck would strike Bray as he suffered a torn pectoral. Uh, during that match and had to require surgery but despite that he would continue to appear uh sowing the seeds and debuting a faction known as the wyatt family recruiting luke harper and eric rowan as his sons and oh man this is the start of something beautiful (laughs) something beautiful it's amazing to see the 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 small beginnings of the Wyatt family because they were quote on like straight up they were a cult uh, of of a crazed oh, yeah. man who who believed in, in in this higher power and had you know his followers that were that he kind of indoctrinated in and they were like burly brawling guys that would hit you with all the force of a dump truck. There was none of that mythical, like, ethereal, like, spooky occult superpower stuff there. It was just kind of straight up, cult member, these guys are a bit crazy, and they'll hit you hard. I, 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 I can still appreciate that, though. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. It's still great. And you know what? Um, the Wyatt family are kind of tailored to me because I have of one of my weird little fascinations is that i am absolutely fascinated by cults and the the um the hierarchies like how cults work mm. and it's kind of weird that like i'll ask a question for you guys like i'm because i can't i've been racking my brains over the years and i can't really think about it how many cult stables have there been like uh... three uh, yeah, including the Wyatt say... family. Like you could say, like Wyatt family, the Ministry ran by the Undertaker. I would count, <clears throat> and the Dungeon of Doom, like Kevin Sullivan's Dungeon of Doom, I would class as a cult. <laughs> well, yeah. I was gonna say, do you count the Brood? 
I guess because they had that because they had that time where then after Edge and Christian left, then Gangrel brought in the Hardys. And maybe they, they yeah, they, like maybe they dance between that line of cult and spooky. I mean, initially, I was gonna say because initially they were just vampires. Yeah, like yeah. they were just straight up blade I, I, era vampires. Yeah. I I wouldn't count them as a cult. We're getting, we're, yeah, I wouldn't count them as a cult. Um, would you count the Straight Edge Society as a cult? Nah, nah, I wouldn't count them. They're a gang. They're a straight up gang. I mean, but definitely, uh, and as Punk has attested to, he did take a lot of inspiration from from actually not from cults, but from um, oh those television um, pastors that would have those worldly powers and stuff. The the televangelists. 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 That's the one. Um, Can I think of any other potential cults? I can't no, in wrestling. I, I yeah, but you see what, right. but you see what, yeah, but you know what I mean. We're like, I have, we have Sam, our encyclopedia on, on call and even he's struggling. Yeah. I can only, I can only think of three. <laughs> the, 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 the dungeon of doom, the ministry and the Wyatt family. So like, I, I find that so utterly fascinating. <laughs> They're just fascinating to watch really. Yeah. No, most certainly. I think this at this time as well, because it, it was so new and they were still trying to work out what, like, the, their kind of, like, I guess their storyline MO uh, and the whole thing with Sister Abigail as well. It's really, mm. it is very rough and ready and it looks, it looks even more, men- it's menacing, more menacing because of that. If you oh, ask yeah. me, yeah. the fact that you have Bray Wyatt during the matches with Luke Harper and Eric Rowan sat on that rocking chair just looking on and on and just like kind of muttering stuff to himself and then just kind of like speaking in tongues at one point and then just raising his arms in the air after they win the match it's it's such it is such an interesting sight to see yeah Um, absolutely i I just i gotta say this like whoever designed their weird little um their weird little opening stinger the deaf singer Mm -hmm. i owe you a beer because holy <laughs> shit every time i hear it, just that do 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 like what yes just yes it's just great. great i mean to the editing team again at wwe they're the true heroes of that company as we all oh, yeah. the true heroes so before... Dude, nothing beats a wwe video package absolutely mm. before i get onto the main roster journey i want to talk about the origins of bray's character and his music. I know we've mentioned his music in the We Love Jim Johnston episode. Mm. Um, yeah. But his, of course, fam- very famously, uh, Bray's gimmick was kind of a um, a homage uh, and a, an evolution of Dan Spivey's character when he was in WWF as Malen, uh, Waylon Mercy, which, of course, mm. he took from Cape Fear. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. So it, it, it's it's... I, it's it's really interesting. I was watching Wayland's uh, Wayland Mercy's uh, promos and vignettes, uh, researching this, and just how how much he did lift Bray lifted from Wayland. And of course, the story goes that Bray went to Dan Spivey and said, uh, "Can I, you know, with your permission, can I take the gimmick that you had, and you know, put it into my character?" And he was like, "Yeah, sure." awesome apparently there was a rumor that they were gonna that um bray wanted to bring Waylon mercy back for wrestlemania 30 
Um, but that never, but that never happened. Apparently, both parties couldn't agree. Like Spivey and WWE couldn't agree to a deal of that happening, which is a shame. It would have yeah. been really cool to have seen that. Um, but of I course, think it would have been a nice little thing to like tip into it. Absolutely, because you get this like little sense of like you know the being behind the character. Mm. Uh, but um, I think I think the thing about it though is that it is just really cool that Bray knew of the character and was like, "Can I take this and do something with it?" Yeah, because it's important question. to say that that Spivey's Whale and Mercy character didn't really go as far as anyone would have wanted it to. Especially because I feel like it was in the wrong the wrong chunk of time for WWF. Absolutely, this was new generation era he was in. Um, I think if if he would if he had debuted two years later in the Attitude Era, it probably would have worked. No, absolutely. <laughs> um, but of course, of course, we talk about the music and the very famous story that Bray Bray had listened and had um, seen this piece of music from a royalty-free music website. Contacted the composer Mark Crozer um, to use it. Ended up using it, and funnily enough, you know, it's become his theme ever since uh, even remixed by another band um but the thing i still that makes me laugh as that blew your minds is of course mark crozer is actually english um yes <laughs> and i bet um, you that still blows reardon's mind i he can't be he fucking can't be <laughs> that man is born from a fucking bayou swamp i don't give a fuck <laughs> no, but the thing about this i can say is um I won't. I won't name names just in case the person I'm talking about doesn't want to be mentioned. But um, there's a guy that uh, I sometimes sing with at events. Right, the guy is South African. Mm. When mm. you and he, but he loves country music. And when you hear him sing, you would not think he lived a day outside Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> like he straight up sounds like he was born, raised, and lived every day of his life in the South. Man, but. The moment he starts speaking, I'm like, you're South African. I, I immediately know. And it is ridiculous. And it is exactly the same with Mark Cruiser. Yeah. He's English, but you hear him. He's English, but you hear him saying, and you think, yeah, he's definitely from, like, you just get an image in your head. And you're like, yeah, I know exactly. He's probably from, like, Louisiana himself. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, going from a from a journeyman musician, uh, you know, desperately trying to get that uh, one thing, that one, you know, that one little break that could uh, help him to now becoming one of the well writing and you know creating one of the most iconic themes in the past 10 years it's not bad is it <laughs> yeah no. not bad Dude, it's like i keep all. saying to people people forget how much music is in the wwe product yeah oh, and i think more music companies should pay more attention to it because that's why code orange were so infused at getting involved in it. it's like hell yeah we'll get involved with this we'll do it exactly mm. something 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 I really hope becomes a, 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 a norm as having all these bands being able yeah. to be a part of it. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm honestly kind of like, I know we're just getting slightly off track, but I just got to quickly say, I'm kind of surprised that like no big or mid-tier rappers have come in to do some stuff. Well, because was it? rappers um, love uh, wrestling. Yeah. Well, Lucas, was it? Um, I know um, um, Post Malone is a big fan. I know that much. Who <laughs> was it? It was, um, it was some someone wanted to do a version of 
Mark Henry's theme because Mark Henry's theme was done by Three Six Mafia. Yes. Mm. And there was another rapper that wanted to join in and do and join in for like a remixed version of it, but they but WWE turned it down. Mm. Okay. Because I want to say it was Ghostface Killer. I'm which... going to. While you continue, I will look that up. But <laughs> I I do remember that being a thing that they wanted that they wanted to do a remix version with another rapper, and it never it never got off the ground. Mm. <sighs> that is a shame because I would have loved to have heard that version. Mm. I so would have loved to have heard that version. Anyway, uh, final cliff notes then for the Wyatt family in NXT. Um, Harper and Rowan would defeat Adrian Neville and Oliver Gray to win the NXT Tag Championships um, in 20... I want to say 2013. Yes, in 2013. Uh, the Wyatt family would then begin a feud with Corey Graves and Cassius Ono. Um, the following week, there would have been an there was an eighteen man battle royale to determine the number one contender to the NXT Championship. Wyatt eliminated both Graves and Ono during that match, but he would eventually be eliminated by Neville. Then a a six man tag match would happen, which sees Graves, Neville, and Ono te- uh, team up against the Wyatt family. Uh, the Wyatt family would end up defeating those three. And that would be uh, the second to last episode of them in NXT because week after, Harper and Rowan lost the tag championships to Neville and Graves. It's interesting to know that Neville and Graves were tag champions. Oh, well, they were even a tag team to begin with because you think of those two styles and those two kind of different um, gimmicks. I mean, to be fair, it's important for you to mention people forget that Corey Graves even wrestled in the first place. Exactly. And he was a darn Mm. good wrestler at that as well. Um, but yeah, this would signal the end of the Wyatt family in NXT. And shortly after that, we would start to see the very famous promos and vignettes of the Wyatt family in the bayou, uh, culting it up, as it were. Uh, the backwards, uh, the backwards promos where they, the gated fence, the people surrounding Bray, the shed with the one, uh, with the one rocking chair and the light bulb. And of course, the very famous debt. Uh, sound effects would start playing. <laughs> uh, and of course, yeah, um, this would end up with them debuting with the very famous words, we're here, and assaulting Kane. Uh, this would end up starting their rivalry, which culminated at SummerSlam with the Ring of Fire match, which we all knew was a was an Inferno match. It's just an Inferno match. It was just given a different name. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so... I, it's weird that they were going, it seemed like booked strong without question. They were booked amazingly strong. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But it all seemed like they immediately went from like straight up cult with no magical mysterious powers to suddenly being a cult with mysterious powers. It it was a, when you watch from NXT to Raw, which I did, it's a weird whiplash. (laughs) It's a very weird whiplash. I definitely think that them going straight for a program with Kane <laughs> yeah. probably was a contributing factor to that. Yeah. yeah, I'd agree with that. And also it was um remember this was like this was coming up to the time where like everyone was wondering about when it wasn't a matter of if but it was a matter of when the the Undertaker was going to retire. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like and it was like like one one of why there's such there's such a fascinating thing with when it comes to that because it was like everyone knew that 
one, The Undertaker was going to retire, but everyone was kind of like, but we need a replacement for that kind of character somehow. We can't, it's been so long that WWE just can't not do it, especially with Kane. They need someone with spooky mystical powers. Yeah. Why? Because it's wrestling, they need that guy. (laughs) Sorry, reminder, by the way, The Undertaker could summon lightning. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Let's let's not forget that one. It's just, you just need that guy. And when Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family came, it was like, oh shit, we might actually have that guy. Mm. That is exciting as hell. Yeah, really, really, uh, really was. Really, really was. So, Mm. let me fast forward a bit and let's get to, I guess, I guess one of the very first um pivotal bullet points in the Wyatt and Bray's actually I would say the Wyatt and Bray's career in WWE. Having rivalries with Kofi, CM Punk, and of course the very famous one with Daniel Bryan where he did recruit him to the Wyatt family. Yeah. I'm gonna fast forward to his match against John Cena, or his rivalry with John Cena, which culminated at WrestleMania 30. <sighs> at this point Bray was still undefeated in yep. WWE. Um, and, I mean, we'll, 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 I guess we'll mention, you know, more of it when we get to, of course, the very famous uh, WrestleMania, other WrestleMania match these two had had. Yep. But um, this, this again, this is this is another thing of ending of, of all the potential in the world but ending in a damp squib and it's just a shame that that always keeps happening with John Cena yeah <laughs> it is It is an unfortunate thing with John Cena I will say one of the most unfortunate things with Bray is that he has this habit of being booked strongly until the pay-per-view yeah yeah like yeah. he's really good and he builds up really good momentum and then he just make, they just make him lose now granted I know this is mostly I, I guess you could say for this one, maybe this probably wasn't John's fault. Maybe he had. No, a, no, like... this wasn't. I can no, almost guarantee this probably wasn't yeah. his decision. Yeah, no. Like, one, it's not his fault. And two, it sucks because it was a pretty good match as well. Yeah, I love the build up to this match as well. Like, the whole, oh, yeah. um, the whole world in his hands. The, the era of lies and uh, wanting to turn John into a monster. He that, 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 I mean, that was his main goal, was that I'm, I'm going to turn you into the, the thing you fear the most. Yep, and of course it has the... And of course it has some of the... One of the best um, modern camera moves of him going for the five-knuckle shuffle and then seeing him in spider mode. Yep. God, that was so fucking hype! Kevin yeah, Dunn, I you did, you did good just that once. <laughs> <laughs> like I when I saw that I was like, oh, there's nothing I can say. That's what I'm talking about. The only time that they've ever hit that camera cut more perfectly was when they did, uh, they did the Wyatt family versus the Brothers of Destruction, and he does the spider pose, and then the Undertaker does his sit up. Oh yeah. yeah, that was oh that was great. We'll get again. We'll get to that mania as yeah. well for sure. But no. Agreed. This was a really great match. Solid, a solid yeah, yeah. matchup between these two at Mania, and it's just you know, I it's just a shame that it went the way it did. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the crowd were very much uh, in uh, in the in the same thoughts as that. Um, no, it's, absolutely. It's crazy to think that this was the same Mania that not only did Daniel Bryan win the big one, um, but also Brock Lesnar defeated the Undertaker. 
as yeah. well. There was so much going on at this WrestleMania. That it was a certainly a packed WrestleMania. Yeah, it was an interesting one. <laughs> uh, but this would not be the last match that they would have. They would have a cage match at Extreme Rules, and then they'd have a last man standing match at Payback, where um, Cena would bury Wyatt under multiple equipment cases to win the match. <laughs> I Jacob. mean, it's it, it's a method. And certainly not the last time that Bray Wyatt would end up being buried under bits and pieces to end a match. But, you know, we'll get to that. All right, you didn't need to say it like that and <laughs> stick the knife into my heart, but I understand what you mean. <laughs> uh, pretty shortly after this, they would end up being in a program with a returning Chris Jericho um, and end up having a couple of feuds here with Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. Um... And then eventually building up slowly to a rivalry with The Undertaker. Um, starting at the Royal Rumble, where he lasted, for, where Bray lasted for 47 minutes uh, before being eliminated by Big Show and Kane. After this, Wyatt then began, of course, doing those really cryptic promos, uh, referring, of course, himself as the new face of fear, and then started doing... Uh, kind of like, do you remember like the build up to this where he kind of summoned the power, was able to summon the powers of the Undertaker and be, you know, being oh, able to yeah. use them himself? Yeah. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he use lightning powers once in a private? I believe so. I believe he did as well. <laughs> um, and it was pretty much soon after that that he challenged the Taker to a match at Mania, which Taker accepted. Um, this one is. Um, I'm going to plain straight say it. This one was forgettable because um, mm. I can't remember. Apart from that really awesome sit-up spot to the spider spot, there's not a whole lot I remember of this match. Um, there's there's not a whole lot it. about this that is really memorable. I, that that one moment is really memorable for me. Um, I think The only thing I'm... about this one is I think a lot of people were excited for this one because people saw this as a potential for them to be passing the torch. Yeah. Yeah. Think... That was me. That was mm. me. Like, uh, I actually, I remember two things of this match, actually. I remember it being that. Like, everyone was kind of like, he, like, because this was the, this was the WrestleMania straight after he was beaten by Brock Lesnar. Yeah. So, Everyone thought, like, and it like it made a lot of like sense, basically. Okay, he can't. Okay, he can't beat Brock Lesnar. Everyone was kind of like, "What the hell?" But they actually managed to make that work. Thank mm -hmm. you, Paul Heyman. <laughs> and then it was like Bray Wyatt, and then it's like, okay, so Undertaker leaves, being beaten by two people, the Beast Incarnate. And essentially his replacement. Yeah. That is something that everyone can kind of get behind. Even me as a big Undertaker mark, <laughs> I could get behind that. Yeah. All you need to do is just like do a solid match. Undertaker is gone. He has the powers of the Undertaker and like, or you could do whatever, whatever. But that's it. Mm. That did yeah, not my, happen. My, my mind was always just like the moment. Undertaker loses the streak, then it's passing it on. Yeah. If they're gonna make him lose it, pass it on. Yeah, exactly. That's what we all thought. Like, and pass it on. Cool. And then the Undertaker won, and I remember, 
I remember, I can't remember who said it. I think it was probably, uh, I can't remember who said it on the commentary, but it was basically going like, ah, the old gunslinger, he still has something left. And I was like, you what, mate? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think what was, I think what was not, I don't think what was not helping this is these guys, I don't think were, they weren't at the right point. I think of their careers yeah. for this match to properly work. Of course, Taker was in a downswing. Of course, he just lost at Mania, and I think he was, you know, he was dialing back on what he was doing. He was only ex- exclusively at this point wrestling at Mania. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. And Wyatt, of course, was desperately trying to get that momentum back that he had from thirty. Of course, remember this is the time as well that um, Harper and Rowan were off doing their own single stuff. Like the Wyatt family had yes. been disbanded Ooh. as well. Um, so no, th- I, for me, like this is a match I know everyone, myself included, wanted. It just was at the wrong time for the pair yeah. of them. Yeah, no, no, it was the wrong time. Um, but yeah, let me fast forward some more because, of course, we have the return of the Wyatt family. Uh, we talk. We I don't. I really don't want to gloss over. Or glo- well, I'm going to gloss over. I should say sorry to that Mania where well Mania 32 where they confronted the Rock and then then end up. Um, impromptu match which lasted six seconds but you know uh, um yeah. i would uh and then of course we talk about uh randy orton as well i'll i'll touch upon randy orton yeah that's a bit. Whole weird ass thing that, that was, was weird as fuck that was man. a weird weird part where he was part of the riot family ended up having a bit of a quite a good run as tag champions with luke harper and then of course that wrestlemania match where of course uh bray Wyatt was using his amazing ethereal powers of a projector to project maggots and cockroaches in the ring <laughs> that's the only way you can creep out randy Orton. <laughs> my favorite thing about that entire time is that you look at bray and like luke harper and then there's just randy orton standing next to them yeah and he just looks so out of place <laughs> still it, wearing his wrestling gear. <laughs> you know it's weird that he looks so out of place because when i heard like oh randy orton i actually i was actually on the on the the side of that actually makes a lot of sense <laughs> it to makes me, sense but, it, me, you look, but it, you just look at it it's like oh look it's randy orton with two guys that look that look it's like you could it's like he it's, it's just something about how he looked which was just so out of place with bray and luke's image <laughs> randy orton looks like uh, randy orton looks like that um that one member of the family that went that like left the small town went to la and is back for thanksgiving <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're not wrong you're not wrong at all let us not forget as well during this time uh braun Strowman became a new member of the wyatt family and a quickly yes. had left as well uh and also wyatt had won the wwe championship in the elimination chamber defeating cena styles ms ambrose and baron corbin this would have been Signal's the first singles title win in Wyatt's wrestling career and his first world title. That's that's insane when you think about it, really, and how much of an impact Wyatt's had. Yeah, honestly. Uh, so let us... I mean, I guess we can talk about, before we get to, uh, of course, one of my favourite parts. I don't care what anyone says about the deleter of worlds. Um... <laughs> How Bray Wyatt, when he's given, you know, even when he's given something that can really, really hinder him, he's still able to creatively make chicken salad out of chicken poop. (laughs) 
I don't know. I, d- I don't. I can't. I can't think of any other wrestler in recent times that's been able to take something very silly and ridiculous, but still manage to make it work. Case in point. Um, Sister Abigail, when he ended up cosplaying as Sister Abigail for that match against oh, Pumpkin God, yeah. Finn Balor, but um, I guess maybe fortunately that didn't happen because he got food poisoning. Uh... <laughs> I I honestly think that that because that match didn't happen, it got replaced by the one with AJ Styles, which is a fucking classic, by the way. Yes. <laughs> so I'm gonna say it was probably for the best. <clears throat> that we didn't get that match between those two. As much as I would have loved to have seen the Demon Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, or I... Demon Finn Balor versus The Fiend, but we didn't. <laughs> we did not. We did and not I think we're. That. I think in this case, we were better off for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, this brings us to the Deleters of Worlds, and dare I say, one of my more favourite feuds that Bray uh, Bray has, uh, has had in his career. I think because these two, let's be honest, right, Matt Hardy comes back from TNA after having probably the greatest run of his entire career. He is the yep. buzz and talk of the wrestling world, so much so that Vince brings him back and of course, you know, he has that weird in between where he's not necessarily broken, but then he becomes woken. Uh, so we get, we finally get our Matt, that Matt Hardy in WWE. <laughs> Matt so, Hardy is woke. <laughs> <laughs> so this, of course, again, during a match with Wyatt, he ends up getting knocked in the head. And then we get the full incarnation of woken Matt Hardy. And thus brings us to uh, the ultimate deletion match. The second in the in the I guess the quadrilogy, or the or the of the is it six? Uh, probably four or six, four or five matches I think now that have been at the Hardy compound. Something like that. It's um, a pen, pentology, I think now. It must be now. It has to be spanning several companies as well, which blows my mind. <laughs> um, but this ended up being uh, you asked me. It was a fun rivalry that kind of played into both of these guys strengths and i think i think honestly this was something that i think bray wyatt could really sink his teeth into and have a lot of fun with because i i watched that match thinking this is some of the weirdest shit in wrestling i've ever seen and i've seen some weird (laughs) shit in wrestling (laughs) but uh I, I just feel like, you know, after, like, all of the things he's had to put up with, this was the one thing where he could actually properly, creatively, I guess, really excel and make it his own. I mean, let's be honest, oh, yeah. this started with Michael... This Ultimate Deletion match started with Michael Cole giving a disclaimer saying, what you're about to watch is something very strange, weird, and different. So we we apologise. <laughs> <laughs> but... Why are you apologising for that, Michael Cole? I love how, but you know, in this, when in the end of the match, he's thrown into the lake of reincarnation, and he disappears for a few weeks. Like we don't know where he's ended up being, but then suddenly he returns as a face, uh, interfering at WrestleMania 34 to give Matt Hardy the win for the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, and then they form, <laughs> of course, the tag team, the Deleter of Worlds. I loved this Wyatt because he seemed he was like a, such a positive 
like a positive man that would just laugh, smile, and cuddle people, and just like I'm, I'm so happy, man. I'm so. It's happy. like, it's like a proto funhouse bray. Yeah. If, yeah. If anything, yeah, this was the start of you know, uh, Mister Rogers Bray Wyatt. <laughs> <laughs> so they would end up, of course, holding the Raw Tag Team Championships, defeating the Bar at the Greatest Royal Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> they would end up losing those titles a month later to the B team. And soon after, uh, Matt Hardy took time off to heal his injuries and that would end up disbanding the team. And after that, we never saw Bray Wyatt for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, that would have been uh, July Extreme Rules when they lost them. And he did not appear until April 2019. Oh, wow. That is a long time off. Um, and, of course, at this time, we get to talk about The Fiend. So, before I uh, cap off this little part and talk about The Fiend and uh, present-day Bray Wyatt, initial thoughts when you first saw these promos and then, of course, saw the character of The Fiend? Absolutely loved it. With every yeah. single fibre of my body. It is. It is unbelievable how much i stand from day fucking one same like just when you saw when i saw this is like oh wow this is something different this is something really really creative and i love it and i am on board for it and then when of course... i can i can readily say that this was around the time when i actually started to get back into wrestling and the fiend was one of the things that intrigued me the most because for wrestling terms, it's one of the things that felt like they had background war. Yeah. And I love that. I think the best Like, whenever part, I play, like, an RPG, I always didn't want to research every single bloody thing around it. So having this character, I was like, I need to know more, please. The fact that Bray had the... had this in his mind for so long, and as a matter of fact, kind of almost planned ahead by dropping bits and pieces in random promos throughout the years up until he finally got the fiend you know he had the costume and he had it all made and he was starting doing yeah. his promos speaks to how incredibly creative that man is oh yeah and oh man just like the, the promos alone and then when he revealed the character of the fiend and just the garb the get up the mask and everything i was like oh man Oh man, I am so on board for this. I just was just I just saw that mask and I thought that was one of the most freakiest fucking things I'd ever seen. Fun fact just... create that mask was created by Tom Savini and his team. Uh, of course because yep. of course it's Tom Savini Savini. Yeah. Like the mask. Would it be anyone else? <laughs> I'd say man, no. When I heard that it was made by Tom Savini, I was like, man, my zombie film heart there. I'm yeah, so, the mo- I'm so the- happy. Yeah, I, the moment I heard about that, I was like, "No fucking wonder! No <laughs> yeah. wonder I'm so fair, goddamn." To be fair, knowing how much of a fan of horror movies uh, Bray is, I assume he was like, "I won't accept anyone else." Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, it's funny enough that Tom also designed the the very infamous lantern, which we talk about in his debut match at yeah. SummerSlam, where he, Holy of course, God feuding with Finn Balor. You'd had a couple of vignettes and spots here at Firefly Funhouse talking about Finn, but my goodness, when he came out, 
the muse the the change in music as as me and Reardon talked about was a very Nine Inch Nails influenced song. I I don't yeah. care. I mean, oh yeah, that's Nine Inch Nails. I know what I hear. <laughs> uh, the smoke and then of course him coming out with that lantern of his of his severed head, <laughs> mouth agape with the lantern inside and his eyes sewn shut. I was like, holy shit! Again. I I I am um, I almost want to give props to WWE here because I'm like when I saw that I was like oh so the the PG era is like over over yeah. okay yeah no because it's it, it was a thing that came across in um, interviews and I can't remember the name of the designer that, that Bray worked with but he's a tattoo artist originally mm. Mm. and he was saying like oh. Are they gonna let you make this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, are you sure they're gonna let you use this? Because it's a really cool design, but like, are you Look sure they're it. gonna allow you to have it? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think one thing I have to talk about in this match in particular was his character work and his move set. He he became a lot more vicious with his move set and what he was imp- um, implementing, but also. His character work as the fiend, where he would sometimes twitch and start going a bit crazy. You put his hands up to his ears, where of course, where he had his gloves saying "hurt" or "heal." It, it, phenomenal character work oh, for Bray. Right. I, I, I think, I think the the best thing that I love about the fiend is it's kind of the same thing with how the Undertaker was. Yeah. Mm. Where it's what do you do when the person doesn't sell? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah, and the one thing I will like because I have to do it. Ah, oh, full credit to Finn Balor for selling the living shit out of it. Yeah, like yeah. before oh, yeah. and after. Yeah, because before, like he just sees it, and then they just take, there's a camera shot of a look on his face, and he's just like, "Yo, what? No, no." I he, that's the look of I did not sign up for this yeah. shit, <laughs> and I'm and I'm literally dressed up like a demon. I didn't yeah. sign up for this. <laughs> and then afterwards, he gets back up and he's like, he has a look, he has the same look. I'm like, yo, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> I he has a that look that look screams. I want to look at my contract again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, what? <laughs> no, just Finn, the best. Finn. I mean, I know a lot of people give Bray all the credit in that, but no, Finn did a tremendous job in that match. Oh, absolutely. Uh, of course, you know, Bray would win, uh, The Fiend would win, and that kind of, I think that cemented it. I feel like, you know, that he, he was white hot. He was the talk of professional wrestling, and basically right now they couldn't do any wrong with him. Oh, boy, could they do wrong with him? Because um, <laughs> I'm about to get every every Never question the ability oh. of WWE to fuck something easy up <laughs> it was like every single it was the fear of every single wrestling fan that i talked to everyone feared like just like please don't mess this up because it was both like one everyone loved this concept so much yep. it worked so much but also at this point bray wyatt had been fucked over so much yep. it was ridiculous ridiculous because I, I think it is important to say that obviously a lot of this was achieving a very specific balance 
because you don't want it to be like what Finn Balor said about the demon character, where it's like it became the crutch. Yeah. Yes. But you still need it to seem important. Exactly. Now, of course, there's a very easy way to make it seem important, and that's to give it just a relation to literally anything. Mm. <laughs> so just yeah. make it so that like anything that the fiend does is in some way personal and then you've got it all set out and you know exactly what you need to do and they were like okay but what if our mystical force was just beaten easily right (laughs) and which brings us to hell in a cell now before this of course uh the fiend uh kept attacking legends and hall of famers of the wwe uh, most notably mick foley to which he adopted the mandible claw yep um and of course it all ends up going to the fiend challenging Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship at Hell in a Cell. And this was the time as well that they started adopt where they for some bizarre reason adopted the the uh the virtual boy lighting of just black and red with a red yeah. cell, may I add. So their vision is impaired by a hundred their their perception of depth is just no, there's none. Like they, so this match is really rough to watch. But it's the ending, of course, that everyone talks about. It just reminds it just reminds me of um that meme where it's like, uh, "Hey, would you like to see a match in weird in weird three D? <laughs> no, would you like to?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, ending a Hell in a Cell match in a ref stoppage after being buried under several re- uh, weapons and hit with a sledgehammer. I know they wanted to make the Fiend seem strong in defeat uh, and not take the title off of Seth, but you could have just done one thing as that actually not have the Fiend go so quickly and so soon for the Universal Championship. But, but I'm Why not, did I'm they not head do booker. it? I'm not head booker, so maybe I don't know anything. So. No, everyone, the moment everyone heard, like, no, it, never, the... never before have I heard, like, everyone go, oh no, to someone they like getting a championship match. Because it's, it's like, well, obviously there's the case of, realistically, the Fiend doesn't need a title. Exactly. Yeah. Because he is a mystical being of chaos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there's also the point of, I think in any case, regardless of what match this was, if this finish happened, everyone would have been pissed off. Disregarding the fact that the Fiend fucking got up anyway afterwards. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... And of course, this was followed by a chorus of boos and people demanding refunds uh, in the arena. Uh, but they would rectify this after being drafted to the SmackDown brand. And uh, after, of course, you know Fox being a part of you know broadcasting SmackDown and them wanting the Fiend, Bray Wyatt would end up winning the uh, Universal Championship at Crown Jewel. So they rectified that. Okay, then. It's not like did they honestly think that was gonna help? <laughs> no. It it did have a it I mean it did have a very good call by um by Baron Saxon, but apart from that Yeah. Uh of course this would lead to a, a rivalry with Daniel Bryan. Um leading to a strap match at the Royal Rumble. And of course that, was talk- a, that wasn't a, that wasn't a bad match. That, that was wasn't bad. a bad match at all. Uh but then we get to the bad match of um of of, of 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 Super Showdown, where Goldberg defeated the Fiend. What is this? Oh, excuse me, excuse me, it's Oldberg. Oldberg. Oh my God, that was so fucking maddening. I 
Don't ask yeah, me why. It is arguably it is an objectively an awful match. <laughs> Only because that confrontation got against the fiend or against Bray Wyatt and Goldberg got some great views and they just wanted to bring Goldberg back because Vince is Vince for some bizarre reason. Uh, and thus... The only way that I would have accepted that match is if they said that um, it's like it's like a house rule that I've sometimes had in D&D where you know if your intelligence is, is incredibly low, right? You just mm. can't be affected by magic because you're literally <laughs> too dumb. That, I might, like, in all seriousness, I'm like, if you wanted... Oh, God. If you wanted that, just have him be as Bray Wyatt because that's how it works, damn yeah, it. Because yes. then literally my my justification was if they wanted to go for that was that Goldberg is literally unchallenged by the, the Fiend's psychological attack because he is literally too vacant in his head. Yeah. <laughs> I he mean, there's the... that... He is the pure personification of a barbarian. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> yeah, that, that good old that good old rage. God bless that. God bless that ability. <laughs> but no, it's just it was it's weird how that came to be and how what came to pass. But I guess I guess it was a blessing in disguise because we're going to talk about the final part, and of course that being the Firefly Funhouse match. This is one of possibly the greatest pieces of wrestling medium made in the last like ten or so years. It, yeah, you know it. You know it's like fucking great. Where like as well as wrestling Twitter, I am on film Twitter, and everyone was saying, "Yo, have you seen this?" You know what? Actually, <laughs> this is a funny thing. Actually, where the pandemic actually really helped Bray, not just in the Firefly Funhouse match. But in the build up to it. Yeah. Because well, everyone yeah. got to actually see Bray as an actor. And he's a really fucking good actor. Oh, he great. is incredible. And for anyone for anyone that has to be listening to this that isn't actually a wrestling fan, but if you enjoy your cinema, you enjoy your old horror movies and you enjoy just generally good acting, I highly recommend going and watching the Firefly Funhouse segments, all of them. Yeah. yeah. All of them, all the all the segments. It's amazing we didn't actually we haven't actually talked about the segments. God, I love those segments. I love those segments so damn much. With, I think. I think, not only I think the great thing about them. Oh, sorry. For no, the no, thing I, that's, I, yeah. God, you 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 go. Yeah, the thing that's so great for them for me is that they tap into the inherent uncanny valley of children's TV. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> Where it's both like enjoyable but there's always something somewhat sinister about it <laughs> I, I, I can wager to bet that bray saw don't hug me i'm scared and was like that's oh, it yeah. i need to make that in the i wouldn't world. be surprised uh, no all. that's definitely it but you know, don't you know hug me, i am scared meets mr rogers <laughs> yeah you know what i think would like what well, i'm glad i'm glad that that Bray is American because if he was a British guy, that would freak me out and I wouldn't be able to watch. <laughs> if, if no, but if Bray was British, he'd have so much more material to tap into. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Could you imagine the fiend bringing out Mr. Blobby? <laughs> oh fucking hell! Oh, <laughs> no, I'm just imagining like uh, a Firefly, a very specifically a Firefly Funhouse version of Blue Peter. Oh, oh, oh. yeah, like. <laughs> 
Uh, so, just... so the Blue Peter dogs are replaced by the the the, the uh, Blue Peter gargoyles, Zool and Vince Clara. No, <laughs> no they're just re- know, they're just gonna... replaced by actual murderous dogs. Like it's just like it's like it's just a cursed version of like Basil Brush appears. Oh fuck! That's oh, <laughs> that's these... actually gonna give me nightmares, man. I All these references are American contingent just don't understand. It's amazing. <laughs> okay, I'll post Rick links. No, that's a lie. I did put up a tweet referencing Mr. Blobby yes, today. Yes, you did. You did. I think I, I saw that and it was amazing. I did accidentally call him Mr. Bobby, but it's Mr. Blobby. <laughs> but, oh my god, yeah, I mean, we're going on about it, but what is there to say anymore <clears throat> about the Firefly Funhouse match? If anything, I'll say this. In a, in a year that has really thrown us against the wall and beaten us up, that is a light at the end of the tunnel, a shining light yeah. in what's, what is, is a terrible year. It yeah. is an amazing piece of self-aware cinema. Yes. Yeah. It is. I'm. I can't. I. It's one of those. Things, I can watch it so many times and not get bored of it at all. Mm. And it's also like. It's also. Can I just say that it's the most fucking this weirdest goddamn retirement match in the history of wrestling? Yeah, it's like the most fantastic oh, yeah. character study of a of, of a wrestler that has ever been in wrestling. <laughs> it's it's just so good though because it's so self-aware about every single facet of itself because like when it's talking about john cena and john cena's career so like they reference like the prototype in ovw yeah yeah and like going through or talking about like they do mention the nexus don't they they do they They do do mention it yeah yeah they mention the nexus they mention like cena intent the plan for scene to turn hill and reform the nwo in like 2011 yeah it's just oh everything you ever wanted as a hardcore wrestling fan and a casual wrestling fan and then some yeah Mm. um and fun fact about this one this would end up and being marked as bray wyatt's first ever victory at a wrestlemania holy shit believe it or not yeah that's crazy. that's how long it took him that's that's how long it took and it took the one person it took the one person that started that wrong dark road of, of losing at wrestlemania to do it John Cena. <laughs> so i guess you know with that though i guess the question is is like how do we where do we see Cena go from there like do we see him come back or do we, is that basically one and done that's Cena out of out of the canon of WWE I think it would work better for Bray if I wouldn't mind seeing Cena maybe one more time if it was just maybe you know at a you know a marquee match maybe at Mania but don't bring up the fact that he's to suddenly come back and you know he's suddenly all well again maybe say maybe look and make it seem as if the thing with Wyatt truly did affect him yeah I think the only way I could see it is if like they bring him back for like his limited run Mm. and then they ask hey are you going to try and face Bray Wyatt again he's like no (laughs) and that's it yeah yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) and thus ends 
our little profile on Bray Wyatt. So where is Bray Wyatt in the future and where is he presently? He's only had five matches since WrestleMania, believe it or not. Um, the the feud or the trilogy of matches he had with Braun Strowman for the Universal Championship, which of course saw that um that Wyatt Swamp fight match. Um, Dude, everything that about feud. that feud was amazing if you cut out the matches. Oh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the match after that would be a, a triple threat match uh, against Strowman and Roman Reigns, which of course saw Reigns win the Universal Championship. And then his his most recent match was on the on the October second episode of SmackDown, defeating Kevin Owens. And then after that, um, being uh or drafting, I guess, uh, to Raw and having an alliance with Alexa Bliss. And that is where where he has been going strength to strength in that. Yeah, he and has been. Uh, and uh, with Alexa Bliss just turning. What in God's name is going on with Alexa Bliss? As a, as Alexa Bliss has assumed her previous tag team partner in in just sheer rage. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, Basically, she got annoyed that her tag team partner turned into Harley Quinn and is just like I, I'm more, being I'm, a pure rage now. I, I'm more I'm more like she I'm more like I think she ripped out the heart and all brain of Nikki Cross and consumed it, thus gaining her original insanity power. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. I, I would have... Yeah, you're probably right there. No, you're definitely right there. <laughs> Nikki Cross fucking dies. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, it does conclude our episode all about Bray Wyatt. I guess final thoughts on The Fiend and on Bray Wyatt's... On Bray Wyatt in general, gentlemen. WWE, leave the man alone. That's all my thought. Just leave him alone to do shit. And if he fucks up, then get in. But please, please leave the man alone. He's gone through so much. And it's like, and as, as as a fan of him now, I always wait for the, like, the hammer to fall on any of his ideas. It's kind of insane how paranoid I am with him. <laughs> Uh, it's thoughts, Dan. <laughs> it's it's just crazy to see someone who is so creatively minded and has such a sense for what they are doing, and how in tune they've managed to make that and bridge this kind of creative gap between the worlds of old school horror, between the worlds of wrestling, between the worlds of kind of mystic powers and everything and how well he's been able to integrate this all together and also just how well he's been able to make it work how well he's been able to play these characters which have had so many people just sold on his on his work like Mm. there's not really many bits of it that i can say i don't particularly like or disagree with i think he's had pretty much everything on point yeah with his work you know, from, I mean, obviously we can talk about the stuff in like FCW and whatever. <laughs> we could talk about Husky Harris, but with the creation of the cult leader Bray Wyatt character, which I think has endured so well with so many wrestling fans, mm. The Fiend, which has then gone even further beyond that, you know, it's kind of amazing to see how well he's been able to merge these two 
worlds of things that he loves. Yeah. It's, it's a tremendous thing to see. And um, hopefully this will... Uh, this, I, I'm hopeful for the future, for future wrestling, and uh, for future prospects in wrestling to look at Bray Wyatt and go, you know what, if I've got, I, I have some creative chops here, if I can be, you know, headstrong about it and go with it and go with my gut, maybe, maybe, just maybe I could create something pretty cool here. Yeah. Um, when we get to the next generation of wrestlers after Bray Wyatt has retired, then I think we're going to be in something interesting. Indeed. Oh, very much so. Without and don't forget, we already have wrestlers like um, Rosemary, Sue Young. Yeah. Um, Crazy and Steve. And others. <laughs> and, and, and others out there. Abaddon. Oh, and let's not talk about... Let's talk about our boy, Dan Housen. Yeah, Dan Housen <laughs> as well. We love Dan Housen. <laughs> we all love Dan Housen on the chin. <laughs> we... We love Dan Housen in the Chinwaghausen, okay? <laughs> the Chinwaghausen. Oh, um, yeah, I think I think that this is a this is like a big future point for the world of wrestling, without question, without question. So, what are we going to be doing on our next episode? Oh, I'm glad you asked, Sam, because I'm going to tell you. Now, <laughs> um, for our next episode, we are going to be doing the second volume of Great Wrestlers You Never Knew. Now, as with last time, I'm not actually going to reveal, reveal to everyone who we're talking about, but uh, stay uh, up to date on our socials because you'll be able to find something very special, uh, a little announcement video there in the coming few days. But until then, and until the next one, I have been Sam, this has been Reardon and Dan, and you have been listening to the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. We will see you, as ever, on the next one. Yowie wowie! Let me in, stall. (laughs) (laughs) We're really glad that you're our friend. friend. This This is is a friend 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 friend